a solution to the problem of human pain, whether it be physical or whether it be moral, is to go right into it. Okay, hello. Hi. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Okay, so this is Therapy for the Right Brained, and it is all about mental health and how to stay motivated and not go crazy, to be honest, <laughs> when you're in entertainment yeah. and uh, creating content, like you said. And because there's a lot of pressure, you don't really have a schedule. It's a little bit of like, it is like being an entrepreneur. Well, I went crazy, so why am I on here? <laughs> well, I'd like to hear why, I guess. I no, did I'm go No, but I went crazy yeah. too because it's like hard to keep yourself motivated and like you have a purpose and disciplined, so we're talking all about that. And then want to hear what you're up to. So, let's start by introducing you and tell us all about you. That sounds good. Well, first of all, Megan, thank you so much for having me on your show. This is really cool. They even gave thank me, you. they offered me, you know you're in a fancy place yeah. when they offer you either cold water or room temperature water. Did they really? Yeah. They didn't offer me that. I know, but I'm the guest. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, so thank you so much for having of me course. on your swanky show and your yeah. swanky set. This is, is really cool. Okay, so basically I just start by asking just so the guests who don't yeah. know you yeah. can get an idea of like what you do essentially. Totally. Okay. Okay, so my name is Vito Glazers. I'm originally from Chicago. I've been back and forth in LA for about 10, 12 years now. Okay. And primarily what I do is right now I, I do publicity and influencer marketing and I help people become influencers in their respective space through PR, through social growth. But my background, I you know, was a big internet marketer. I started in internet advertising. Okay. And then I got into acting and producing. I got into producing because I wanted to be an actor. So yeah. as you know, kind of the world's evolving and like yep. it's impossible to get cast and stuff unless you're like in this Illuminati of like mm -hmm. of relatives in Hollywood. So the only way to really get your work out is to start producing your own work. It's very true. So I started producing my own stuff just to get myself involved in it. And then I really just kind of developed these formulas of like, I, I got this because I was always more of an artist at heart, but mm -hmm. I understood the world of business. Mm -hmm. I had this unique ability to really monetize content creators and producers in Hollywood because most creators are like so creative that mm -hmm. they don't really care about money and they don't care about the uh, where their you know income is going to come from. They're just like, I'm going to create something and then I'm going to be rich. Yep. And it just doesn't work like that. So I, I realized that I had this, that I kind of spoke two languages. I speak the language of creators and I also speak the language of advertisers and business people. So I was able to kind of mesh those things together. Mm. And I've been able to really actually help a lot of creators monetize their content. And I've been able to help a lot of advertisers kind of take their products and their, their message to the next level because we're able to really create content that's engaging to the audience as mm. opposed to advertisers, which are typically like very metrics driven, right? They're like right. all numbers all the time. So, and that, that eventually will like lose steam with the audience. Mm -hmm. You can't build a brand around all stats only. You have to have like some e edge of creativity to it. So the, the way I kind of present my mission statement for my company, mm -hmm. I'm the CEO of a company called One World Publishing. Okay. And our mission statement is basically we use celebrities and the media to help brands and public figures tell their stories. Boom. So that's it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's also like exactly what I feel like you did that at the perfect time where like this uh, content creation, digital media and the entertainment world were colliding. Yes. You know what I mean? Totally. And actually, so I didn't even realize what was really happening. And I actually think this year coming is going to be like my big year because I've been kind of juggling all these things because even though I was having success on the advertiser side and doing things in a new way, so there's a couple challenges, right? So like if you're a disruptor, that's like a big word that everybody's mm -hmm. using now, like disruptor. What people forget is that the people you're disrupting aren't going to celebrate you, <laughs> right? They're not like, oh, look at this guy. He's so like ingenious and intuitive, right? right? Like, uh, let's just celebrate him. They're like, no, this guy's messing up my money. Like we need to take him out. For sure. So I had a lot of problems because I was like showing creators how to like cut out the studios and like teaching people how to like self-publish. And I'm getting all this heat from these people that I that I look up to mm -hmm. and that I want to do business with, uh, which are or that I used to, because a lot of them are just like getting me to and, you know, like well, yeah. the Weinsteins and all these guys. These were like icons, right? Like well, everybody was trying to work with them. For sure. It's like the whole the whole model of marketing and media now is just done like a whole 
360 almost. I think it's a 180, isn't it? It's, it went, <laughs> no, but like, no, I guess it's because I said 360 because it literally did like a full circle, but it didn't go back that way. So I guess it's 180. Well, maybe um, 270, somewhere in between. That's good, 270. <laughs> Don't, I was an English major, so. <laughs> no, but uh, now I think that that's more appreciated and respected. Whereas before, when it first started happening, everyone yeah. was like, oh shit, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like, uh, oh yeah, like have fun with your little like thousand fans, you right, know, or whatever. Right. But so it, it's changed a lot. But so I was always kind of trying to like, I was doing this work to sustain myself. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, like daddy, won't you love me? You know, like Hollywood <laughs> studios, why don't you just yeah. like accept me for who I am? And now it's just like, forget them. Like who cares about these studios? Like they literally have nothing to offer, you know? Yep. So I'm like, now I've kind of gotten in the role where I'm like, uh, there's no point in being like a celebrity. Like, I don't even care. Like if, if they offer me the role of like Spider-Man or something, like I would right. take it, but it still wouldn't even make me that influential. Like, I don't know who the last three people who played Spider-Man were. And no. that's like a huge role, you it's, know? I literally, ironically yeah. watched Spider-Man, the new one last <laughs> night yeah. or part two. I didn't even know there was a part one. And, um, it's, I used to strive for the same thing where I was like, you know what? I want to make yeah. it in Hollywood. Right. And Everything you're saying is so in line with what I'm talking about on this podcast. So yeah. that's great. Thank you. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I I moved out here and I'm very like, I don't like authority figures. So within yeah. the first year, I was like, I fucking hate the system. Yeah. Oh, we and, can swear on the show? Oh, yeah. All right, cool. I love swearing. Well, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, don't go overboard. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I immediately started creating content. Cause I was yeah. like, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. You go to an audition and there's like four male casting directors yeah. who are just, you know, sitting there. One's on their phone. One's like looking at his watch. They don't care what you're doing. I drove an hour in traffic in Los Angeles. Yep. I'm sweating. I have anxiety. I'm going to be late to my part-time job afterwards. <laughs> Cause I have to drive back in right. traffic and I have two lines Yeah, and I don't get cast. And then the girl who gets cast is like the girl he met on seeking arrangement. A hundred percent. Or like, his, yeah, exactly. Or like you know. his niece. Well, it's, it's true. So I think it's, I think the, the thing that's happening now is that what, what used to happen before is in Hollywood, you'd have this like handful of people, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's only like three channels. So you'd have a hundred celebrities splitting like billions of dollars in ad revenue. Yep. Now what happens is you have like a couple thousand, maybe thousands of creators mm -hmm. and they're splitting. So you have more people creating and making good incomes. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather see in like my vision for the future of entertainment is I'd rather see a million people making like really nice six figure incomes mm -hmm. doing their like creating, living their passion, creating content and like, uh, creating value for their audiences mm -hmm. rather than like a hundred celebrities just becoming elitist. Oh, for sure. And yeah. in line with what you said, uh, we were talking about Gary V earlier yeah. and what I love, I've been listening to his book, crushing it yeah. and just, I've been diving in this world a lot. So a few things I've noticed is that he says it and a bunch of other people who are influencers and, you know, speak all over, all over the world, whatever they all said, if you, you can have a talent and you can have a business, but if you have no like purpose or passion or value behind that, right. you're going to lose steam and you're going right. to lose your audience. So it's, it's about providing value to people. And I think that's the new wave of influencer. So that that's an easy, that's an easy cop out in my opinion to say that. Okay. Uh, so I'm writing a book right now and it's called influencer, the art of becoming an influencer, oh, yeah. even if you're unattractive and talentless, that's good. the Vito Glazer's life story. And the point of the book is actually, so it's like step one is getting in the mindset, right? So you okay. have to get in a mindset. That's where you're like, I deserve to like ha be in a position where I own my time and I create content and people will take in what I'm saying, right? Like right. the step one, because a lot of people are like, I'm not good enough. I, nobody's oh. going to care about my story. The, the, I'll, I'll go on like a little interesting tangent about this. You know, I post all these workout videos mm -hmm. on Instagram and I'm not really like a workout type, but like. You have been consistent, I've noticed. I'm very consistent, yeah. and um, and I've actually been getting a lot of results, but Good. I'm not like like the buff influencers, right? But here's the thing. My story views doubled when I started posting those workout videos. Interesting. Because, and people message me all the time. They're like, Vito, you're so consistent in the gym. Yeah. Like, I watch these big buff influencers, and they're like, I'm like, uh, they're probably using steroids and all this stuff, but they're like, I know you, and you just like to eat and sit around and laugh. and <laughs> So it's relatability. Yeah. Right. So they're like, I'm starting to work out now because I see you doing it, so I guess Fuck I could yeah. do it, you know? So I'm like, all right, well, whatever that means. But I, t <laughs> I oh, tell people cool. all the time because, you know, I run this PR company, and I'm meeting with, like, CEOs and different stuff, and I'm like, hey, we got to tell your story. And they're like, oh, my story's not that interesting. Yep. And I'm like, listen, 
even if you're regurgitating the same Gary Vee content or the same Tony Robbins content, it's all kind of the same message, right? Yep. So like, even if you're regurgitating that content, it's still somebody who looks like you mm -hmm. might need to hear it from you rather than from them Absolutely. for it to resonate. So just because you don't have your own, just because you don't think it's original, as long as you can take kind of the message and show people how it affected you and how you've used it. I think that that's step one of the mindset, right? Is like, get out of the way that like, you have to be so original and so this and that. You just have to be connected to your audience. You have to be authentic, right? Auth authenticity, because right. I, I totally agree with everything you said. And I just listened to a guy who wants to be an influencer and right. he was saying all of, you know, the same cliche stuff that you've heard. Yep. And I was like, I feel totally disconnected from this because right. you could tell it wasn't authentic. Right. And then I watched the behind the scenes take and he was having somebody spoon feed him these motivational quotes. So right. it's like, that's not going to work if he was authentic and you know, he was overweight and said he was depressed and everything else. People would believe that more than him just like, you know, regurgitating. Right. Things. So there's that. So that's the mindset part, but here's the most important thing that okay. I think people need to know about getting into influencer and content now. I did the same thing and every, I mean, I go to Soho House, I see, I hear 20 people having the same conversation. Like we need to make a viral video. We need to do something really cool and viral, you know, but uh, that's wrong. Yeah. In my opinion, and, and this is chapter two of my book, is basically follow the money. So you don't have to be like a sellout, but don't just create content that you think is cool and then hope it blows up and that yep. people pay you. There's nothing wrong with being like, okay, this is like, who's who's paying for content, right? Like maybe it's a CBD brand, maybe it's a fitness thing. Maybe just go through Instagram and Instagram has like the, Instagram has like the top things like, uh, you know, who blah, 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 like different, whatever, um, like different categories yeah. of what their popular trending things are. So oh, it's like yes. fitness, comedy. So just go through those and figure out which one of those you fit into mm -hmm. and then figure out somebody that's paying, maybe even look through the posts and mm -hmm. see who's paying money to produce content and then create content, then reverse engineer it mm -hmm. and say, these people have money, but I can create authentic content for that. And here's the thing, here's where it's not selling out because money is actually a driver of the audience. So where there's money, that means that there's people looking for that stuff. Mm. So you're, it's kind of a way to reverse engineer where the audience wants to put their eyeballs mm. because they're saying we're paying for this stuff. So this is where our attention is going. Right. And then it's up to you to create something to then grab their attention and then get it on yourself. So that's, I think the biggest creator mistake is not focusing on where people's attention already is and then giving them something to add value to that uh -huh. instead of just like making your like, you know, whatever videos that you think are funny and then putting them out there and then thinking that somebody's just gonna discover you and pay you a bunch of for money sure. for it. For sure, that's yeah. beyond true. And I, so when I said add value, I didn't, it was in line with what you're saying. I meant yeah. like, so what I've done and which is totally wrong. Like you said, I've just created all this content in hopes that boom, something's gonna blow up. And I've done that for five years and it's ridiculous. And yeah. I finally had this wake up call and I was like, okay, this is not how it's gonna work. Right. Like that's not how it's gonna work. Cool. I've done cool stuff and it's yeah. won some awards, but like I'm not making money, I'm stressed out. Um, and then that makes you not wanna create. So I think in terms of adding value, I think all I, what I was saying by that is that you need to take whatever it is, whatever skill or gift or story, mm -hmm. which could be your personal story, mm -hmm. you know, I, wh whatever happened and bringing that to the table right. rather than just like, like you said, I want to blow up and I want a viral video. Yeah. like, that's not gonna. It's kind of a selfish way to create if you really think that's about it. That's what I'm getting at is the selfishness behind creativity and Hollywood, I think is people are starting to catch on that that's not the way to operate. And to be like, be me, 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 my mm -hmm. content, my content. If mm -hmm. you're providing value, you're telling a story, you're helping a brand, even mm -hmm. if you're getting money, money in return, like yeah. that is helping someone rather than just creating content and being like, look at me, I want to be famous and recognized. Right. Yeah, it's actually kind of narcissistic to be like that, 100%. right? Like, to just be like, oh, I'm so cool that somebody should pay me for it. And then that's when these people end up waiting tables their whole exactly. career, right? It's like, it's like, why not just align yourself with something that people want and, yep. then, and then add yourself in as a creator to that? Because there is value to creating, you know? And every, sure. every, here's the thing too, is that everybody has a story to tell and somebody that needs to hear it. So, it does, I, I love this book called, uh, I think it's called Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. 
Oh. And he does the ClickFunnels thing, right? Yeah. And I think it's so cool that entrepreneurship and content creation are all like kind of like- I love it. Making, having this big orgy right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> No, it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's amazing. And so it's really cool because like, I actually feel that entrepreneurs, so I'm like a career entrepreneur and now I'm finally like, falling into my role as a creator. I was always like an entrepreneur who liked doing creating as a hobby. Right. And now they're kind of like balancing out and I'm getting like, I'm feeling like the maximum version of myself for the first time ever. Oh yeah. And cause entrepreneurship was kind of like frowned upon. It was like another word for unemployment. Now mm -hmm. it's like, now I feel like entrepreneurs are like the new athletes. A hundred percent. Right. So you, before it was like athlete or like movie stars. And then it was like musicians, athletes. And now it's like entrepreneurs, you know, people are like, people like follow entrepreneurs like they're movie stars. They do. They they're go like, and they speak all around the world. Yeah. They get paid to speak or whatever else. And they get paid big bucks to speak. That's yeah. like them performing basically. For sure. And then they also, you know, they come out with products and they're books. coming out with all their stuff, their books, their, um, and then the people like follow their contracts. They're like, wow, did you see this like entrepreneur just mm -hmm. like sold out a stake for 55 million? These are like, these used to be numbers that were like exclusive to Kobe Bryant and yep. like, you know, big ballers like that. And now, Entrepreneurs are kind of the new, the new all-stars, right? So sure. it's about time get recognized. I know. No, I love <laughs> yeah. it. And it gives you so much more power as a creator. If you yeah. can take that mindset on, yeah. um, in term and like, that's the company I have that I guess what led to this is yeah. that I was, I myself went through this and I was speaking to so many creatives and still am like literally had two conversations last night about it, about, well, I'm a creative and I have all this stuff, but one, I don't feel confident enough to tell it Two, I don't know where to begin. Right. And three, um, I don't know how to start a business. I'm just a creative. Right. So there's like still a big disconnect, but I think right. it's finally being bridged, which is really helpful because I think the whole starving artist thing is depressing and doesn't need to be there. No, like, and, and if you're a starving artist, it's real and you actually have talent. Yeah. It's because you're creating selfishly. Oh my God, I love that. It's it's really true because if you have yes. talent and you are willing to use your talent to where it's needed, yep. you will get paid for it because there's a, actually a massive shortage of creative people who have the mental capacity to deal with a business. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to do both of those, like I feel like that's why the movie studios and the record labels were able to exploit artists for so long. For sure. Because they're just like, oh, here's like a little, like here's some drugs and some hush money, you know, like <laughs> no, uh, it's true. go go sing and dance for me. And then they're raking in all the big bucks because uh -huh. they know how to do it. And these creators were, all they really had to do was like set up a business and, and manage their themselves. money a little bit, yep. you know, and they could have all, that's why a lot of people are self-publishing now or becoming partners in labels and stuff, because there's just no, those labels don't really offer any value no. on top of the fact that they don't really understand digital distribution that well. Nope. So they're kind of like archaic as far as I'm concerned, you know, like it used to be my dream so bad to be like part of a big Hollywood studio, but now I would just be like a talking monkey for them, you yeah. know, like, uh, I, and they would never hire me because I'm way too business savvy. So they, they would never they put me in their projects. So now I'm on my own. Hell but yeah. It's, you know, it's working out. Yeah, So, obviously. you know, I got the first film coming out. Okay, so tell me about, yeah, tell me. So uh, I've always wanted to, to do a film. Right. And a couple years ago, I was working on a radio show in Chicago. Okay. And I met Ron Jeremy. And Ron, it's not that kind of film. <laughs> um, or is so it? <laughs> I, you know, I love telling people stories. And originally I had pitched him on doing a 60 minute stand up comedy special for Netflix. Okay. Because he's doing stand up now and he's yes. actually hilarious. So we end up shooting 40 hours of content in four days. 40. 40 hours. And because he just, he's the hardest working man in show business, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so he just loves to work. I respect it so much. Like, he, That's great. If, if we call him right now and we're like, hey, Ron, we'll give you like 300 bucks to like film a podcast right now, I'd be like, all right, let me like, Let's just, down. yeah, let me put my whatever shirt I got on. Over. <laughs> and just for the record, that day that he showed up like a schlub, I asked him, I said, hey, come dressed up because we're going to be doing your interview and this is going to be like your legacy. And, and he then sh he showed up. <laughs> he showed up with like a ham sandwich, like <laughs> spilled all over his shirt and like a Hawaiian thing and like his. <laughs> He brought a change of clothes. He I did, guess. He did bring a change know. of clothes. But he loves his Crocs. I respect that. that was he, he loves, wearing Crocs? He only wears Crocs. Okay, then he must have. This is just like a man who just like refuses to compromise. He's, which I respect actually. Yeah. He's a yeah. character. It's admirable. So we could all be a little more like Ron Jeremy in our lives. You hear that? But, <laughs> but anyways, Ron is uh, really interesting. So we end up doing all these interviews and he starts telling me, he's like, you know, nobody's ever asked me this stuff before. Hmm. Nobody's ever asked me. Because I asked him, I'm like, have you ever been in love? Yeah. You know, you've been with 4,000 of the hottest women on earth. <laughs> Have you ever been in love? And he's like, you know, yeah. 
there was a woman that I loved and and I'm like, do you have any kids? He's like, no, not that, you know, none that, not none that, that I know, know of. I'm like, where's all your money going? He's like, oh, I'm leaving it all to my turtle, Cherry, $10 million. Wait, what? Yeah, his, his I turtle. I think you told me this, I forgot. His turtle's getting $10 million, but really what he's doing is he's donating it to this like huge animal sanctuary that cares for like all these endangered animals and I like fights that. for animal rights. And then they're all, they promise to take care of his turtle and his turtle's gonna live to be like 140. Oh yeah, because they live forever. Yeah. Yep, so like the deal is he's gonna, he loves animals. Like he loves an, like saving animals, helping donating animals. So I think it's just an interesting play on capitalism where it's like, sleep with 4,000 women on camera and now animals are taken care of for 140 years. So it's, it's so true. That's really fascinating. <laughs> wow. These are all the things that like connect in my head, you know, no, it's but like, it makes sense. So we're doing the, so we, we, we got all this amazing content and I talked to his, I became really good friends with his manager, okay. Dante Russinelli, golden artist entertainment. They're an amazing group of people, him and his wife, super cool. And they, I started talking to him. I'm like, you know, nobody's ever told this story before because there's two documentaries out about Ron already. One's called The Hardest Working Man in Show Business. And that just focuses entirely on like his decade as a, as an icon in the adult industry. Got it. Which is a great story on its own and it deserves a film of its own. It's a fascinating film. Uh, I mean, to, to just, he, I mean, I could make this whole thing about, I could tell Ron's story. Like, I think what's going to end up happening, it's like my career is going to end up me being, do you know who Tom Driesen is, the comedian? Uh, I know his, I know the name. So Tom Driesen made his whole career around, he was like Frank Sinatra's like opening comic. Oh, yes. So okay. he's made his whole career of just like telling stories about him hanging out with Frank Sinatra. Like if things don't work out for me, like in the big That's time, yours. like I could make like a whole backup career around just going around telling my stories about all the times I hang out with Ron Jeremy because it's freaking hilarious. Yeah. And like, um, it, it's just so interesting. So, well, anyways, we, we, uh, he had that one film, Hardest Working Man in Show Business. And then he did a second film that's all, it's called Life After the Buffet. And it's basically all about his like heart transplant and stuff like that. Okay. But all these movies made money. And then, um, but this, my movie's called Ron Jeremy Too Big for TV. And mm. it's literally like, it covers his childhood, his background, everything growing up. Like he was a special ed teacher in Brooklyn yeah. until he was 35. You told me that, which is fascinating. He's still licensed. It's just nobody will let him around kids, but. <laughs> 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 but he's still licensed and his dream was always to be a Broadway actor. Really? And then his girlfriend, as a joke, he used to live in a one bedroom apartment with his grandma in Brooklyn. And his girlfriend, as a joke, sent his pictures to Playgirl magazine. And kind of as a joke, they published it and it just went nuts from there. And then that's how he started. Then he got a call from a company in California and said, hey, we want to put you in an adult movie. And he moved here. And he moved here and he said he did one film and he was like, he's like, oh, that was the best money I ever made. I'll, you got another one, you got another one. And he said, wow. he just, he just, he, but his, celebrity is directly in correlation to his grind like he's he's never been one to like in grind and no pun intended there either right. but his his hustle like he is the kind of guy like he's always trying to work 24 7 he never turns down a job and he's got the record for for most adult films ever wow. but you might not know this he also has the record for most mainstream films ever really he, he's been in more mainstream films than any other actor just as like a cameo. Cameos. He's in Ghostbusters. He's in res uh he's in um he's in so many movies you would never imagine. So he's got like hundreds of cameos. Fascinating guy. And some some big roles too. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's just fascinating. And he's been a big help to me. So we're telling that story. Okay. And what I love about Hollywood is that people come here you know, with a story or to build a story and you tell other people's stories, right? When you're acting, you're mm -hmm. like taking on the role to tell somebody else's story. And I always say the coolest thing about Hollywood to me is that I love is that people come here to tell other people's stories in hopes that one day somebody will tell theirs. Oh, and so that's what we're all here for, right? Is like a world of knowledge over here. <laughs> Creators are just creative entrepreneurs. I love that. Right. I'm going to call myself that. Yeah. Okay. Just be a creative entrepreneur. I love that. Because it's true. Because as a creator, you are an entrepreneur. And when you're an entrepreneur, you might be making an app or selling widgets or whatever, but you're still creating as well. So create being a creator and being an entrepreneur are virtually the same thing, except for being an entrepreneur is a little more data driven and like numbers well, driven. I think the difference is you can be just a creator, right. which I was, right. and that's with no money in mind. Right. Yeah. You're like, yeah. this is funny. I'm going to put it out. And that's yeah. fine because yep. people do think it's, you know, find stuff funny mm -hmm. and they want to be entertained. Right. But there's, if there's no intention behind it, whether that's making money or having a message, then like, what is it? What is it, right? And yeah. who does it help? No one. And what's the point? It's helping yourself. Right. So like, I think like the problem is people get mixed up because like artists and films of the past 
art was so confined to, to you know, mm. like there, there wasn't a lot of creators because people were busy, like trying to find a loaf of bread. Be to alive. Live on, right. Yeah. 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 So they were like, oh, wow, this guy's got enough bread to actually like draw a stick figure on the right. wall. Like this guy's admirable. Right. And that's why artists were elevated because mm. they were people that were able to express themselves and things like that. But now in the current culture, it's like, it's admirable to survive off of creating. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. It, told, it did a 180. Number one job that people under 40 want to do around the world in every country except for China is be an influencer. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that right now. That Number does not one, this me. If, if, in surveyed everybody from 40 years old down to four years old. The, if you ask people what their dream job would be, the number one job is influencer. Interesting. That's why I'm writing a book because I reverse go. engineered the market and I saw that there's a demand for people who want to learn how to be influencers. And now I'm going to create content for them to teach them how to be influencers. I'm going to think I'm just going to probably do the same thing. All right. Like the female edition. We'll see who, we'll can see I who steal gets the business, your business model? <laughs> you can try You can try Listen, no. it's an open, it's a free and open no, no, internet, no. right? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, what I've been doing is helping people, uh, I'm trying to start a business, okay? I'm yeah. trying, I, um, no, I've been helping creative start businesses. Yeah, no, it's genius. Which is it's essentially the same thing, isn't it? Not well, really. So I'm teaching people more of like a formula of how to take their knowledge and and pivot their knowledge and their passion into an influencer career. Okay. Uh, and I'm also, but I'm also focusing on, on a different kind of influencer. When you think influencer, you're thinking like a, a booty model with a million followers selling right. skinny tea. I'm thinking like a chiropractor who is the top knowledge in his chiropractic. That's super Already smart. super successful, become the influencer among chiropractors and then teach their knowledge, build a following of chiropractors. That's exactly what you really should, Gary crushing it. I've, yeah. I can't stop I've talking it. about it. I oh, like Gary's have, stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. I know. I mean, I, I've met Gary a bunch of times and he, I can oh. book him okay. for anything you want well, then, if you guys want to hire him for something. like. I would love cool. to just hang out with him. So what gets me discouraged when I'm was starting a business and I'm helping people start businesses yeah. is that I am just inundated, great word, Megan, yeah. with like all of these um what are they like? They're like these entrepreneurs. They're like success memes, I guess they're called. Yeah, but it's but, but it's nonstop, and I think it's just because I'm so in that. Right. Niche. Well, the algorithm is feeding you what you've right. told them you like. True, but like in my mind, I'm like, wow, this is so oversaturated, mm -hmm. and there's all these people who want to be doing this, and mm -hmm. then I feel like I'm like, why should I be doing that? Not that I'm trying to do exactly what they're doing, right. but it does seem like there's this huge epidemic of like this social entrepreneur. Which is there you is know. well, it's not an epidemic. It's just the fact that there's audience, so yeah. there's people catching up to the audience. But I'm I'm finding stuff, and on TikTok recently, yeah. which I joined, there's all these like Gary V wannabes, right? And it's very very, uh, it makes you feel like icky, which is mm -hmm. fine. It's like start somewhere and then build it. But it they're just, all trying. They're all trying. Yeah. But see now the thing is, is like once somebody's already done it, then it's time to do your own thing. Exactly. You know so. And and nothing's sacred on the internet, right? Like yeah. there's uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery. So it's like, all right, cool. Like, That's true. look, I just told you I'm doing a book and now you're stealing it. <laughs> I did not steal your book. Yeah. I have my own book, okay? It's about, my book is about surviving Hollywood. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. Because I've been through shit and back since been here. Since just, been well, here. now I'm worried about telling you my really good line that I prepared for the show because it's going to end up in your book. No, it will not. Well, at least it's going to be on the record here. Yeah, that's fine. So I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, no, I wouldn't. I would never okay. do that. Okay, okay, so what is your, okay, so now about mental health. Yeah. Like I said, that's why we talk about it because it's hard being a uh, creative entrepreneur. Yeah. What do you think the biggest misconception of making it in Hollywood is? Oh, Megan, I'm so glad you asked. I think the biggest misconception to making it in Hollywood is that you have to be great looking or super talented to make it. And I actually started researching this because my dad, I always told my dad, I was like, dad, you know, I'd love to be an actor. And I'm like pretty good at acting and I'm in all this stuff. And, right. and he's like, well, he's like, you're not good looking enough to be an actor. Oh my God. That's so sad. He's like, John Wayne is an actor, you know, and like uh, yeah. all these guys are, but then I, I'm I was so like, sorry. I'm like, well, Jack Nicholson's not that great yeah. looking, you know, or like uh, Bill Burr, or like any of these guys, like Kevin Hart, he's like four feet tall, yeah. you know, like, so, and then I started looking and I was like, you know what? The percentage of actors that are actually super attractive is like 5%. Oh, it's especially, there's influencers who right. are super attractive. Right, and models. Yes. So modeling's different than acting. But that's totally different. Totally different game. Exactly. So, but to be an actor, I just think you have to be authentic. It's, that's literally all, some, the, I mean, Meryl Streep is not like drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. Some, the best actresses and actors in the world are not insanely good looking. Yeah. So I think that's the first thing that people need to get in their head okay. is that they don't have to be self-conscious about their looks. Mm. It's great to be the best version of yourself for sure. Right. Like, uh, but I mean, 
look at Jonah Hill, like, yeah, you know, exactly. or like look at any of these. So, and Jonah Hill and, and Leonardo DiCaprio, they go together perfectly. Mm. The Rock and Kevin Hart go together yeah. perfectly because it's great to be good looking. And it should, look, let's not say that like, it doesn't help to be great looking, right? right. Especially if you're a woman, but like, um, you don't have to be a supermodel to make it as even an influencer for sure you just have to uh, and you don't have to be particularly talented either in fact like you know i'm on i, I love producing like these bad tv shows and like <laughs> um because the thing is so like i'd love to make like some huge special effects motion picture but i don't have like 300 million dollars right. to risk right so if if i always tell people i've been telling people for years who create content they're like oh i want to do special effects and this and that and i'm like listen like if you can't be the best in hollywood then just be the best at being the worst because yeah. that stands out just as much as being the absolute best. And if it looks like you're like trying too hard, you're just gonna land short of like Michael Bay and like For all sure. the, and Steven Spielberg. Like you're never gonna have the budget or the teams that these guys have. So why even try to compete? But you can be the best at being the worst. You can be the most hilarious, the most tongue in cheek, the mm. like satire on that. So that's one angle that I've done when it comes to content is like, if I, if I just know I can't be the best, then I'll just focus on how bad can I be to almost make it that so do you use that strategy on yourself i do i do I, well like for for my personal brand yeah right i gotta kind of keep it together because i'm like um influencing like the business world and mm -hmm. then i'm also like i'm i've actually really i never really use the term influencer but people mm -hmm. are always like what do you do they're like you know you're like creating content you're making these business deals and you're doing right. stuff and you're reverse engineering things and like and i'm just like i don't know but then finally some i i was doing the pr thing and i realized that the clients that come to me they want influence. That's so why they're doing what they do. So it's not just PR that you're doing. You're right. doing, yeah, you do do both. Like I noticed yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, so I do, you know, they come to me because they have a story, they wanna tell their brand story or whatever because right. they want that to be influential. And then I'm like, okay, so we do all the PR for you. And then they're like, well, I need more, you know, I need more social media followers. So mm -hmm. we run campaigns for them to grow their social media following. And then they're like, well, I need, now that I have the social media followers and the PR, now I need to be like booked on stages. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes very easy for me. So I have kind of like a formula now that I follow. And the formula is basically like, if somebody wants to be an influencer, we create a monetization strategy first. Mm -hmm. How are we gonna make money off of this, right? So typically it's either a coaching product uh, some kind of corporate sponsorship okay. um, or anything else that kind of like a high ticket service or whatever. Like for me, it's a, it's PR. PR. So I sell PR. That's my high, that's my product. So for your coaching, that's almost like a consultant kind yeah, of, right? Yeah. So you could okay. be, it could be a course. It could be a consultant. It could be for you. It could be like a commercial video package, right? Like mm. you're going to do like your goal is to sell these $5,000 commercial video packages or something like oh, that. Oh, interesting. Okay. So then, okay. There's our monetization strategy. Okay. Number two, then we do a, we create the story and the narrative around that and we do a bunch of PR which I call building the wall mm -hmm. and I do all digital PR because you know like it's cool to be on TV oh, for 30 smart. seconds or whatever but people google you for sure right so they so we build a wall of all the information that we want people to see about you when we start sending people before right. we send it not after then part three is we start getting traffic going and traffic can come either from like influence or shout outs mm -hmm. or traffic can come from like media buying like Facebook ads and Google ads or some kind of ads or even a TV commercial. Then, then you flood the traffic to, uh, to your story or to your offer. Mm -hmm. And then they basically are Googling you and they see all these great things about you, the narrative that you control. And then they're like, oh, I want to do business with this person. And then you lead them into a um, opportunity to purchase from you. Wow. And that's how you reverse engineer the influence. So that's like a very quick way of learning the very hard way of like what not yeah. to do, what to avoid, yeah. what not to sell, what to sell, yep. uh, what brand to have. Cause I mean, my brand has evolved right. over six years sure. and it can still keep evolving, but that's such a, it's a very smart way to like, you know, if you have the money for it to like do it quicker. Well, there's a really, interesting thing uh, saying that they say about paid advertising and mm. they say if you have a bad idea paid advertising will just help you realize it's bad faster <laughs> interesting <laughs> right? no it's true because yeah, you're like, putting it on the market so yep. the market's going to tell you if it's good or not right yeah. right so it's either going to succeed or it's not right and i think that's cool because you know like uh facebook they're like zuckerberg yeah. is all about just like make a lot of mistakes yeah that's what his thing is just make a lot of mistakes because everyone it's not failing it's learning right mm -hmm. so it's true I think once you have that switch and you can kind of take the power back, which honestly making money helps mm -hmm. and like yeah. establishing a brand. Yeah, and, and well, you have to understand the thing about money and that's part of mindset is that so many people have demonized money. 
People Absolutely. are like, oh, it's evil to Absolutely. make money. It's evil to charge. And here's where, no, you got to say no. Money is a reflection of people's attention and people's interest. Mm. And so if I'm not making money, I'm not creating things that resonate with people. That's, that's how you need to frame your mind. So wait, say the last part one more time. That if you're not making money, uh -huh. you're not creating things that are resonating with anybody. Interesting. Yes. Because people will put their money where the attention is the new currency, but because right. where attention goes, money flows, right? So if you're not getting money, mm -hmm. it's not, it's because you're not creating for the, for people. And it comes back to the same thing. It's like, you're creating selfishly for yourself. Right. You're like, right. yeah. And then you're using the fact that you're an artist as an escape to justify yes. that to yourself yes. mentally. Yes. So the first thing you have to do is get yourself some money. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. And for, it, yeah. for, this is a big yeah. thing for just artists yeah. and just creatives yeah. is that is such a big thing because you can work at a restaurant, you can work at a clothing store, you right. could be a dog walker. I've literally done all of them. You could be yep. a tutor, but it's like, you feel like shit. You're not passionate about no. it. Like I love dogs, but I don't want to walk random dogs and pick up their shit. Yeah. Um, to and, justify your art. Right. right. And, and it's like, you know, you'll get to be, when I hit 30, I just had this huge wake up call and I was like, I don't want to live like this. And I yeah. don't think you need to. You don't. Yeah. And, and think about, so here's, here's what, and you talk about, you know, a lot, all the pressure of getting millions of followers. Right. Right. I tell people to focus on their either, I call it either the core 100 or the core 1000. Mm. So the core 100 sure. is get a hundred people this is a little more challenging. Uh, so let's focus on the core 1000. That's a little bit more realistic. Let's okay. say you're a musician, uh -huh. you're an actor, you're uh, some kind of coach, a teacher, whatever you are, whatever creative you are, focus on a core 1000 people, okay. build a tribe of 1000 people who are willing to spend $100 a year with you. I love that. Then you're making six figures. That is right? so smart. You yeah. don't have to have a million followers, just a thousand people that are willing to spend a hundred bucks a year on you. Totally attainable. People mm -hmm. spend that hundred bucks a month on gym memberships, coffee, all For kinds sure. of stuff. Uh, Nipsey Hussle, actually, I got mm. that from. He did a whole feature in Forbes about it. Oh, wow. He built his career independently by focusing on 1,000 fans that would spend $100 a year on him. And basically for $100, he would give them access to like all his shows. Mm. Uh, they would get all his albums. I read this. And they would get like a t-shirt or something. But once he was making 100 Gs a year as an artist, he didn't have to walk dogs. Exactly. And he then, didn't have to wait tables. He didn't have to do anything. You're making 100 G's a year, you can live. And you don't feel the pressure and like the desperation of going into a casting room as an actor, I know, right. and being like, oh my God, if I don't book this Walmart commercial, yeah. like I'm screwed. And yep. that is the worst feeling and takes away all your power. Yeah, like, and it takes away. Well, and I think they actually, the agencies and stuff rely on that. On that feeling, on that feeling to, to, for control of, to keep the industry. So, uh, I, I would say like, just figure out something that you can do to create content, create value, to get a thousand people to give you a hundred bucks a, a year, it's 10 bucks a month. And that's just, and that's a subscription service. And if you can do subscription, then it gives you the power to scale. Right. You know, so then you're like, okay, this works on a thousand people. Now I just need to find another thousand, another thousand. And then, then you imagine you get a million and you're really killing it, but then you have money. You're like, okay, now I have, I'm making a hundred G's a year. I can spend a little on PR. I can, exactly. I can invest a little bit in ads to grow my following. Yep. I can invest in some giveaways. And you can make your own content. You can make yeah. your own films. Like yep. I made a horror short in three days. Mm -hmm. Um, and was 16 hours a day. I wrote it, produced it, and directed it. I was gonna have a nervous breakdown. I yeah. was exhausted. It didn't come out the way I want, and it's because I couldn't spend an extra like two, three hundred dollars. You, you know, know what I mean? mean? Which yeah. is crazy. It is because then it would have elevated my film. Yep. And on top of the fact that like you would have had a audience of uh, a thousand people that if they're already liking your content, you can pull more from them for sure. And be like, hey, like I want to do this film for you. Right. You know, like right. can you guys want to throw down so I can make this film great? Uh, and, or even if you don't do that, you're like, hey, I made this film, you like my other stuff, you have a core audience Absolutely. to share it with. So I think that's, people need to think a little bit smaller. Now, if you want to go for a core 100, which is kind of what I actually built my business around. You're saying that's, you said earlier, that's harder. It's harder because I, d I focus on getting a hundred people to give me a th like thousands. Oh, right. So it's easier to get a thousand people to give you a hundred dollars a year each. I was focusing more on like getting a hundred people to give me one thousand plus dollars because your packages are a lot more expensive yeah and, and now i mean so now um now i'm i only do one-on-ones with clients for 100k a year contract Jesus. so if okay. you want to work one-on-one -on -one with me to for me to basically bring this formula formula to life for you it's 100k okay and, and that's for a year for a year yeah i work together and what's your them. what's your like least expensive package um least expensive i mean i'll, I'll always work with somebody who basically five g's a month okay five g's a month and then um 
uh, we'll do like one or two stories for them each month for that. And then we, I don't do any one shots anymore. It just really dilutes my energy okay. and takes away from like the clients that are really willing to spend. You can't build somebody's story through the media doing like one or two stories. And people have like, I noticed that the clients that it attracts is that they're people that have these like insane expectations for sure. and they're like, I give you 10 K like, why aren't I famous? And they're you know? really difficult. Yeah. I they, noticed they, that. they end up eating 80% of your time. Yep. I've gotten kind of over that. And okay. now I'm just kind of, uh, really focusing on people that are really committed to their brands, but I have a monetization strategy and the, so the, mo I'm really focused on people who want to monetize. Okay. So my monetization strategy is basically what I described earlier. It's basically step one, we figure out how we're going to monetize it, right? Mm -hmm. What do you have to sell? I help people develop the product from top to bottom. Step two is we do all the PR for it. We, we do all the uh, storytelling, all the narrative, all the branding. Mm -hmm. uh, step three, we start flooding it with traffic. Okay. From whatever traffic source, you know, we find wherever the audience is at, we bring the audience to the offer. And then step four, we do like retargeting and we do more PR. And then um, from there, I take, uh, and, and then we in that process, we're also like growing their social media and everything. So once they have like a big social media around like 100,000 followers, and they have a bunch of good PR, mm -hmm. then I start booking them on stages and I teach them how to tell their story in a way to sell their product from the stage. Smart. And you can make like, so if you have a 5G product, you can take that product and you can go on a stage that's relevant to your audience. So like mm. for you, it might be like a creator summit, right. or like VidCon or something like yeah. that. And you go to VidCon and you tell your story in a way mm. that I would teach you how to tell your story, which I've done for credit card processing CEOs, myself, uh, business experts, artists, all kinds of people. You tell your story in this specific formula that mm -hmm. I develop. And at the end, pe people from the audience, if you close five people from the audience, that's 25 Gs in 30 minutes. Yeah, it's insane. And you do that four times a year, it pays my whole fee. And then you do a couple of webinars and you can yeah. double your money. So it, it sounds like a big investment, but for the people doing it, they ROI on it substantially. Well, and yeah, like, it makes some sense. Of, one of my clients did 200K in 45 minutes. What? Yeah, and from a talk. Wow. Yeah, he did, he got a, cause they were paying a thousand dollars a lead and he got 200 super qualified leads in a 45 minute talk. Wow. Uh, because it was the perfect pitch, mm -hmm. the perfect room, and he got 200 leads Damn. from that event, which actually were worth like hundreds of millions because it's like a credit card processing company. So so how many clients do you work with at a time? Do you have like a limit? Um, yeah, I try to limit myself to like five. Okay. Um, five one-on-ones. Okay. Um, and I make myself like really available to them. And I actually like to like bring them into my inner circle. Mm. And then I'll typically do like another five kind of like a little more like like one step down Lower. from that. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, I try not to stress myself out too much. And then I'm always doing like business deals. Okay. So I'm right now I'm doing like a CBD deal where we're doing like, we're bringing celebrities in to like basically rep the product, help the product stand out. CBD is like so oversaturated now. I know. So it needs like every little edge you can get. So yeah. in terms of like, um, mindset, yeah. do you, what are the biggest things that you've learned for yourself? that are help you like stay positive and right. motivated and want to keep going. Uh, talk to your parents as little as, little as possible. No, what would you say? <laughs> I said talk to your parents as little as possible. No, uh, <laughs> I mean, no, I, I actually talk to both my parents every day and I, I love my parents very okay. much and they're super supportive now that I'm making money. But <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. the problem when you're not. <laughs> yeah, so uh, um, I knew that I had made it, like I can pinpoint the day that I made it because my mom, no matter how much money I made, uh -huh. my mom was always like, go back and get your degree to fall back on. I'm like, mom, I make like two 200k a month like I'm not falling back on like a $40,000 a year right, job like right. that's failing that's right. like death you know yeah. <laughs> um so I but she was always like oh get your degree just to fall back on you know and then one day I just remember her being like me being like hey mom whatever and she and I said something like oh aren't you gonna say like get your degree to fall back and she's like why would you need your degree you make like all that you're doing like really well I was like oh I've arrived so you did it. I've you did arrived it. do you have you ever struggled with mental health issues <laughs> uh yeah I'm like a walking mental health issue but Are you? Uh, yeah yeah but I like I, I mean for anybody to say that they're not like insecure or like you know self-conscious i mean that's come on like who isn't you know for sure it's just interesting to me when people say that on here who i look yeah. at and i'm like yeah. oh they're not insecure no i mean i have like the worst anxiety of anybody really ever. yeah i've had i've struggled with anxiety my entire life uh mostly from growing up poor and mm -hmm. i was like always like Where, burdened I, yeah. with like financial issues since i was like a kid that's what keeps me motivated i'm always like oh god i'm gonna be poor like even on my in my posts like I, I literally joke around because I'm like, I spend so much time in the gym and the only other time I have is at work. And I'm basically, I realize I'm like, well, my entire life revolves around like dodging obesity and poverty. Oh yeah, you do always post that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's true. It's like, 
I mean, I only started working out because I'm going to be 35 in like six months. And I always, I was never in like good, like, I was never like, in, I was what we call skinny fat. So I was okay. always like, like slender, but like not in good shape. Okay. And I just, I could eat whatever I wanted. I'm from Chicago. So I eat deep dish pizza, Italian beefs. <laughs> okay. Everything's a different combination of bread, cheese, and meat. Right? right. So it's like, do you want your bread on the outside and your meat in the middle? <laughs> no. or you want your meat on top or like, on, you know, that's basically uh, all Chicago foods. And so, but it never bothered me. And then and, okay. and I would drink a ton. I could drink like a whole bottle of vodka every night and like no hangover the next day and like i'm so jealous my 20 my 30th birthday like the day okay. after my 30th birthday i got my first three-day hangover oh and then my metabolism started shutting yeah. down i just like look at a salad and like it's swollen up you know Fox like same yeah so after that i kind I, I put on like i moved back to chicago from uh living in la full-time i moved back to chicago and i probably I, I got up to about 240 pounds, 245 wow. pounds at my peak from one well, you're tall around too. like 180 though. It okay. was like where I was. And now I'm at, um, I'm back down to around 210, but my goal is like 199. But I really just decided for me, it's not about like being in like great shape or mm -hmm. like buff or anything. It's more about preservation. Right. So mm -hmm. like I, I, and actually I've, I've got like, I've had like a few acquaintances and like actual straight up friends, like 40 to 50 years old. Cause I'm getting up there now to where my friends are like, 40s you know mm -hmm. and like died really yeah heart attacks in chicago because they eat like shit they don't heart well i've actually i have a family friend too who is 32 and had yeah. a heart attack yeah. because he eats like shit you eat bad you don't take care of yourself they yeah. actually say sitting is worse than smoking sitting is really bad mm -hmm. i got a fitbit so i've just started <laughs> yeah can, there you go now google knows everything about your uh your medical history don't tell me that. Okay. but uh yeah so i just i, I committed to myself that like my appearance is important and I don't have to be like a stud or like a workout model or anything, but I do need to take care of my just body feel just yeah. to preserve. What's the point of being rich and like having the coolest watch and the nicest clothes, nicest car. If you're the big fat slob getting out of a, a sports car, you know yeah, what I mean? You don't like, care about yourself. Uh, ask any girl. She would rather get with a doorman who's in great shape, driving a beater to work and maybe not in Hollywood, uh. but <laughs> a doorman who's <laughs> okay. She'd rather have an average guy driving an or a guy that's in great shape and takes good care of himself that driving an average car, living an average life, than some super rich guy who's just like 500 pounds and like- I, I mean, I, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would say anywhere outside of LA, that's At, pretty much not the Not in LA, yes. In LA, they'd rather have the fat guy because they don't 100%. have to hook up with him. You know, like, <laughs> but like, oh, he just gives me the money, he's too yep. fat, can't see it, you know? Like, yep. yep. So that's, uh, that, that was to me, I was like, I've spent all this time building wealth. I've spent all this time um, trying to be, wealthy mm -hmm. and then what's the point if like i can't enjoy it absolutely you know so i, I may i put now i call it paying myself first so every morning i wake up i meditate i read i so here's an important thing meditate when you meditate picture the exact life you want oh so i was gonna ask you yeah. next do you have so you do have a daily schedule i do okay. I, I've, I just really started doing this so I, I had this pr client actually who does mindset training oh cool. and i thought it was like all bs but then he he was the first person to ever tell me he's like you will get whatever life you picture in your mind wow and i was like yeah that's why my life is hard because all i'm thinking about is hard stuff your stress and your yeah so i started just picturing and he was like what do you want i'm like i don't even remember what i want anymore yeah i, I don't remember what my dreams are i don't i, I just want to have a great day today you know he's like picture every day picture the house you want to live in waking up next to the woman you want to wake up next to what the car you want to drive feels like what you're doing for your occupation and what's important to you and mm -hmm. imagine yourself living that for 30 minutes every day i love that so that's been huge for me and that's actually really started bringing things together for me wow because otherwise you forget like it's where true. you know you forget like you're just like i just want to survive i don't know no you get and you get stuck in the rat race and you lose sight of like the long-term goal even if yeah. it's i mean i literally i make vision boards that have the yeah. same thing and i look at them yeah like, so like use your vision board as a monitor and then every morning when you wake up just meditate before you get on social media mm -hmm. just get off your phone 30 minutes I listened to this YouTube thing called like alpha state meditation. Oh or yeah, I, yeah. 30 minutes and just picture yourself doing all the things that you wanna do. Mm. So that for no other reason, 
for you just to remember what you want to do mm. and know what you want to do. So if somebody comes to you and asks you, what's your dream car? What's your dream house? What's your dream partner? What's your dream job? You at least don't sit there like an idiot being like, oh, I don't know. No, you, you know. know. And you know. I think like it's it, once it starts getting like embedded yeah. in your subconscious, like you start, even if you're not aware of it, taking actions to yeah. get those. Well, th that's what, supposedly what he says is, is right. it starts training your subconscious yeah. to recognize those opportunities to I'm bring a mindset them to coach. you. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's guru class coming soon. Yeah. yeah. So I would say I do that first and then I read. So I'm actually reading the Bible beginning to end right now. Stop it. So am I. <laughs> are you really? I swear to God. What, uh, what book are you on? I'm on literally Noah just, uh, is the floods just going down yeah, right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, the beginning. That's yeah. so funny. I said that yeah. to my friends and they were like, what? Yeah, me too. I've never met another person who's ever done it. No, all my friends are laughing at me, yeah. but I'm like, my friend gave it See? to me. Geniuses. No, right. That's yeah. so funny. And I was like, no, yeah. I want to really read it. I know yeah. I, I went to Hebrew school because I was yep. forced to. I didn't pay yeah. attention. And um, I want to know and I want to know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament yeah. and why Jews don't believe in New Testament. I, yeah, me too. So I want to just because all these people got all these freaking fiery opinions on yes, it. Yes, yes. And I'm just like, all right, you know what? I just got to read it from the source That's and get, so make my funny. own opinion. So yeah, I got so sick of hearing people's stuff because, um, and I'm just reading it beginning. I just picked it up one day and it's kind of like a meditation because it's kind I of like a tough it. read, you know? It, well, it is, it is. And that's why I go slowly. Like I'm literally yeah. only on Noah. And yeah, I, nobody's judging you. It's okay. Oh, thank you. Well, I went home and I didn't bring it with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'll give you a hack actually. So I put it on my phone on a nap. I have There's an a Bible app too, yeah. And every time I find myself compulsively scrolling social media, I just close reading. all social media and I start reading the Bible instead. Wow. And I'll just read like five minutes of it and then it gets me out of that like it's, scroll mindset. Well, you know what my friend said? She's very religious, yeah. but she said something that was interesting. She was like, when you're reading the Bible, it is almost like a meditation. Yeah. And it's, I mean, if you're very religious, you believe yeah. this, um, that it's almost like everyone gets their own thing out of it because right. it's like, it's more than just the words you're reading. It's almost right. like God himself or whatever higher power you want to say is almost speaking through it. I you? believe that. So, um, but here's another interesting thing is that, so I go to church as much as I can okay. and uh, I'm just trying to live a better life, you know? And, and, um, so in reading the Bible, I've realized that like a lot of the messages these people are giving you are just like BS. They're like, oh, this is the word of God, blah, blah, blah. But then I'll be like, that was totally out of context. I just read that story mm. yesterday and that's not what he was saying. What what people? People at church? I'm just saying like the or, even the, the the person giving the message, like the, the minister, the preacher, oh, oh, or oh. yeah, or people like civilians coming yeah. up to you and like being like, oh, you know, God, the Bible says this. But then I'm like, but right after that, it's as this. Right. You know, and so, and then also like there's this huge things in the Bible where um, it's not even God talking, it's just people's opinions. And then mm. it gets quoted as God's word in, in scriptures and stuff, mm. or in, uh, in presentations or in judgment, you, you know, like right. when people are judging you and stuff. And I, I can actually now be like, well, that's in the Bible, but God didn't say that in the Bible. But so, then if God didn't say it, who wrote those people's opinions? Well, it's, it, so the, the Bible is kind of like, I'm, I mean, I'm still figuring it out, yeah. but it's really just kind of like a, like a, the original, like ancestry.com. It's history. It's, it's history. It's, it's a big historical recollection. Yeah. And so it has God's word, but it also has humans word. Right. And you just have to read it to get yeah. it. Um, okay, so this has been great. Got to wrap it up, yep. but thank you. Thank you, Megan. Yeah, no, this has been awesome. I always enjoy yeah. talking to you. Thanks. I feel like I get wiser. I figure things out. Wiser it's and better looking. I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's good because I like talking to people who aren't just creatives. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. It, and, and I think to make, we could end on this, but I think that to make it as a creative, you have to either partner with a business person mm. or accept the fact that for your create, for your creativity to thrive, you're going to have to embrace business. Absolutely. Yes. I love that. So. So thank you guys. We will, this will be out soon. And then I'll give you like a trailer, a clip, whatever sweet, you want. Sweet. Um, it'll be on YouTube. Um, this is also on all streaming platforms. So Spotify, wow. Apple Music, uh, iTunes, Anchor, which is the platform, a few others, but those are the only ones I listen to so I know. Awesome. Um, and um, follow Vito. I'll leave all of his information below. He is, um, if you need any advice on anything, entertainment, PR, or influencing, go to him. There you go. All right. Bye guys. See you soon. Thank you.